Hi, I'm Mandy Learn. And I'm Stephanie Keeley. Thank you for joining us for Women Who Work. Instead of just observing it, you then go to your leadership and say, hey, I'm great and I'm happy to have a seat at the table. I'm so happy to be in my role, but there are other women of color who need to be sitting right beside me here who have thoughts and opinions and experiences and expertise that we need at this table to be successful. What are we doing about that? Welcome to the Women Who Work podcast, where we discuss the essentials for leading in your life and career, because as women who work, we just can't separate the two. Thanks for being here with us. Whether you own your own business, are making a career move, or are figuring out that work-life balance, you've got a place in this conversation. Well, it's February, which of course is Black History Month. So since this space is devoted to women who work, we wanted to give diversity, equity, and inclusion a special focus in this episode. With this important and relevant topic, we acknowledge that as two white women in the workplace, we couldn't fairly address DEI without the voice of a person of color. So today we're changing up the format a bit and we'll be in conversation with our guest for the whole episode. We are so honored to be joined by Jessica Jones of Smithfield Foods. She is so passionate, energetic, and has a wealth of compassion and insight for DE&I work. We know you will walk away with lots of takeaways from our conversation today. So let's dive in. Jessica Jones serves as Manager of Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion at Smithfield Foods. With over 15 years of experience in program management, corporate communications, equity and inclusion, and organizational change management. Jessica manages the full strategic implementation of Smithfield's DEI strategy, including Eberg Governance, three-part DEI training series company-wide, and oversight of their college and university programs. Jessica actively partners with business leaders across the company to ensure Smithfield's DEI commitment is shared in multiple ways. Jessica also leads the Operations Leadership Program and Emerging Leaders Program to grow and retain current operations leaders in direct partnership with Smithfield's commitment to its people. Jessica began her career at Smithfield in July of 2018. Previous to that, she worked with state government and other Fortune 500 companies in communications, global event planning, and human resources. She's a graduate of Radford University, where she earned her bachelor's degree in corporate communications and public advocacy, and she is currently pursuing her master's at Georgetown University. Stephanie, thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored to be here. Well, we are thrilled to have you in the conversation today. Joining us in this conversation is, of course, Mandy Learn. Hey, you two. I'm excited to be here. I think this is going to be a fabulous conversation so Jessica, get us started and share with us, um, you know, we, we shared uh, your amazing bio. So we, we hear how many amazing big things you're doing, especially in the DEI space at Smithfield Foods, but tell us a bit about your career story and what brought you to where you are today. Awesome, Stephanie. Yeah. So let's, you know, rewind back to Jessica, the intern. And I do this very intentionally because I would say this is really where not only my um, 
you know, commitment and desire to understand inclusion better happened, but also the true effects of women in leadership affecting myself personally and then also my career. So I was able to actually start off with an organization um, my second year of college, which was honestly unknown, right, to, to my area of focus. Um, I was in communications, a Black woman, um, you know, new into the career space. And so I was very intentional to have a mother um, who was kind of on my case to say, Jessica, have you done your applications? Have you looked at different opportunities to get into your industry? Um, and with that, I was able to go into a program called Inroads. Um, and Inroads targets um, diverse um, students in you know their college degrees and pairing them directly with companies, specifically Fortune 500 companies, to learn, right, and start their internship experience. Um, and so in this kickoff of my career is when I was exposed not only to business acumen, right, so how do you partner with folks across the board? Um, my very first meeting, I was in a meeting with our CEO and our CHRO at that time. Um, and so I look back now at how privileged I was, right, for to, to have that experience um, because it truly, truly set the stage for my career to come. Um, I have to take a moment to just highlight um, a few of the women who saw this brown face, right? Um, they were very intentional to come and check in on me um, during my first, you know, kind of couple of weeks to months to even what identified as years to come with that company. I stayed there a total of, I believe, five years after graduation because of the impact these women made on me. Um, and so these were women that I saw not only who had held the roles and the titles within that organization, but I saw them leading change, but I also saw them taking time to mentor me, um, to teach me things, to identify how business goes, um, and then also how do you ensure that your voice is heard, right? And so always reminding me that, Jessica, I don't care if your title is intern, um, you are invited for a reason and we want to hear what you have to say. So believe in yourself and um, be prepared and show up, right? And that's really what they shared with me. And I, I believe that so strongly, um, even until this day, my kind of personal motto, if you will, for your career is own your career, because there are people and places and things that we experience all the time, but it really does matter what we choose to do with those things, um, how we choose to lean in and how we choose to maybe even not let negative things, right, affect us in the way that will deter us from our goals, but really take all of those things in, learn from them, and then be able to implement moving forward. So that's really the career portion of the internship, if you will, that kind of kicked off my passion in this area. But then as I moved forward, I had some opportunities to go into, um, you know, state government, understanding that demographic a bit as well, um, working with, you know, um, different programs across the board. That's when I was able to implement some very intense intentional change, uh, change management strategic um, initiatives for a few organizations. Um, and then just personally, life had me, you know, look up opportunities to, to move back into the private sector. Um, I'm a proud, proud supporter of LinkedIn. That is 100% a plug for LinkedIn. I say I should be on some type of payroll for them as well, as, as much as I shout them out. But um, LinkedIn, truly, I always identify as your virtual resume. And I always tell folks whenever you're looking at um, those conferences that you've been to, right, and you come back so pumped and energized and you met all these great folks and then you 
kind of fit, right? Well, who did I meet and where's their business card? LinkedIn is that virtually. And I always encourage folks to make sure that your information is updated um, because even my current opportunity now with my current organization at Smithville Foods, um, I was recruited via LinkedIn for this opportunity and, and I truly um, haven't looked back since. So um, shout out to, to my recruiter. She 100% knows who she is um, for, for, for finding me there on LinkedIn. It was great. That's great. So you have done um, a lot of things, change management, you know, events, government, and have ended yourself back in, um, you know, corporate role. What do you feel is like one of the the proudest moments that you have from, from that work, from that journey? Uh, that's a great question. It's a loaded question. Just I, I literally have kind of this repository right now of memories and conversations uh, of working with folks. And I have to be very intentional about this note um, and going back to owning your career. My exposure to a current program that I'm managing for Smithfield, the operations leadership program, came because I took a moment to express to my leadership my desires to grow in this area of DEI, to have more of a direct impact to a different population of our employees, um, because I had had so much exposure to folks, new talent coming into the to the business, right? And my question was always, well, what are we doing with our current talent? How are we continuing to develop our pipeline of employees at the company now? And when I voiced that, I promise you all, <laughs> it was probably no more than a month, a month or two later, where my then director came to me and said, there's an opportunity for you. Um, and I would love to, to pull you in on this group to, to see this program come to life. And it was literally this marriage of uh, program management and talent development and leadership and exposure um, with a very intentional target of diverse populations, right? So understanding our women and our underrepresented groups, that's when it ignited. Right. It kind of felt like all these things I had thought had thought of and dreamed of and couldn't quite put pen to paper as to what it was for me personally, but then also what I wanted to um potentially impact for others. It was this moment, right, with this program. Um, and so when you ask me about moments that kind of solidified me, not just coming back to corporate, but then leaning into DE&I, it had to have been that in understanding, number one, that an organization that size could identify where the gaps were, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then put um, strategy, funds, uh, people, et cetera, around the cause and around what their strategic initiative was to move the needle. Um, and moving that needle meant having more uh, representation in the in the C-suite ultimately to ensure that this company, which is so diverse across the board, um, is truly represented and reflected in our, our current workforce all the way to the top. Um, and hearing that from your leader, hearing um, the ownership and the accountability, um, sometimes the vulnerability, right, to say we're not where we need to be, so what do we need to do to get there, um, was my moment to say this is, this is something that I want to see, I want to be a part of, I, I want to put numbers behind the vision, um, and I want to see it implemented in the, in the appropriate way because 
at the end of the day, right, we're an organization, we have to still make money, we have to have some type of revenue. Um, but if we can make the business case to support why it's important to have a diverse workforce across the board, then, you know, this is how it's going to implement and this is how it's going to change um, our company holistically. That's really what kind of stuck with me. So, good night. The memories are, are countless, but hearing stories of, of OLP uh, graduates or program graduates and alumni to say, I've been working in this role for 20 plus years. And transparently speaking, I, I didn't see anyone in leadership. Um, so I felt like this was it for me. I felt like this was what I was meant to do. And um, seeing you, Jessica, or seeing other folks in leadership, um, I now have the motivation coupled with now the business acumen that you've provided to me in this program to continue on in my career um, and know that this is not the end for me. Um, so that's what I would say, maybe just a highlight of some of the countless stories that I've had um, for folks in that space. That's amazing. Oh my goodness. Like that is so intentional. It's so value-based and you were truly the catalyst that brought all of it together, which is amazing because it seems like, you know, you were, like you said, you're like, these ideas were percolating. There were some things going on inside um, the workplace that, you know, they wanted to do too. And the fact that you voiced, Hey, this is what I want. And it was the experience that you had at the very, very early in your career to have those mentorships and sponsorships that taught you early. You got to have your voice you know, speak up. And this would not have been possible if you didn't have that early in your career. Like that is truly exceptional. And the fact that you want to make sure that everybody else has that same experience is that's what makes the change, right? Absolutely. Like that's truly, that's what is going to make the change. That's, I just, this is just so inspiring. And I can tell that from your voice, like, and that's what, you know, you have this passion for this that is truly driven by your, your values at the end of the day and what you find is most important. Thank you, Mandy. Yep. Yep. So, which I think is a great segue. So I want to talk more. It is February. It is, we are celebrating Black History Month. And so when we think about that and we're acknowledging it and we're celebrating all these, the stories and the history, um, what does it mean for you for this month? Thank you um, for asking that question, Mandy. And I know this is audio only podcast, but I'm smiling <laughs> yes. for our viewers, um, our <laughs> listeners, if you will, from ear to ear. Um, you know, I, I don't take this month uh, lightly. I don't take the sacrifices of those who came before me lightly. Um, when I think about Black History Month, I think about tenacity. Mm -hmm. I think about direction. Um, and most importantly, I think about the notation of there's, there's something different, better, stronger to come, right? Because the moment that we get in our own heads and we only think about the now, um, and we only think about how it affects us as a moment that we have forgotten um, mm -hmm. what Black History Month means, you know, and to me personally, if, if anyone who 
um, was in my lineage, my history, those who paved the way um, decided to be selfish, right? Because they could have, if they decided that uh, the, the fight and the stand and the decisions that they were making was too much for them, then I wouldn't be here right now mm -hmm. having this conversation with you all from a leadership perspective um, and being able to do this every single day, right? With mm -hmm. other folks in, in this industry, but then even, you know, and beyond. So I'm so proud to be, to be a Black woman. I'm so mm -hmm. proud to um, wear this, this life, if you will, you know, as a badge of honor, because it is a true representation of what I hope to be are my, my ancestors' wildest dreams, to, to mm -hmm. be able to have um, a voice, a platform, uh, the ability the, to learn, right? To, to be encouraged to learn and to utilize what you're learning in multiple platforms. I, I just have this feeling in my heart that just someone somewhere, people who came before me, they're just smiling. And um, they're so honored to, to see this walk that I'm walking, but then so thankful that they chose every day to wake up and mm -hmm. every day to fight and every day to make a stand to uh, have equal opportunities right across the board, no matter of the, your race or your color, your skin color, um, you know, your ethnicity, your gender, et cetera, but um, to, to have equality and to have a, a space for inclusion. I just, I hope every single decisions every day are, are paving the way for, for the future, right? And for who's to come after me as well. I just love the the that collectiveness and the belief that there were people that came before you and you find it also important to continue that work, given, given you the opportunities and all of the freedoms that um, you have today. It's important to continue to pave that forward because I feel the lessons that I have learned is that the fight is never over. We're going to always continue and we have to continue this work. If we all, if we believe that everybody should have equal access, equal opportunity, it is, it is something that you, we just always have to work towards. It is never, the work is never done. Right. Given all that you've shared already, it, you know, it's clear to me, the the passion you have for this this space um but it, so i'd love for you to instill with us a bit of your knowledge around diversity equity and inclusion that is um you know your your life's it seems to be your life's work and um certainly your professional acumen here um so i would love for you to share you know, what really, what is it that you want us to know about DEI and why it is so important to all of us? Sure, Stephanie. And thanks, Mandy, as well, um, for, for the question here. So, you know, kind of why is DEI, you know, important? Why does it matter? Why, why should we ensure that it always has a seat at the table? And, you know, depending upon who you ask, you're going to get different answers. But when I identify kind of the whys, right? So let's start with the whys uh, of, of DEI. And when you're thinking about different perspectives, um, reducing unconscious bias, um, promoting accountability and leadership across the board, but then also being able to 
you know, encourage your, your workforce, right, to have a, a true work-life balance, et cetera. These are all kind of some of the fundamental notations of embracing DE&I. Um, and so when you think about that and you say, well, how, Jess, right? So how was that helping with, with um, you know, our overall organization and our structure if we embrace DE&I? It's because we're now allowing a voice to those who maybe did not have a voice before, right? And now we're able to hear the different thoughts, the opinions, um, how this message can um, affect a certain population, how leaving something out affects a different population, or even going, dig, you know, digging deeper and saying, well, how do we solve this problem, right? Um, DE&I is so much more than just race, what you can see on the outside. We always use this kind of um, image of the iceberg, right? Mm -hmm. And identifying that from an iceberg's perspective, every single thing that you see at the top, even though it might seem like a lot, right? There's triple that under, under the, the sea line, right? And so when we dig deep into DEI, when we understand um, what you're bringing home, right? And, and we're talking about, you know, Black History Month, we're talking about women here. How many of you have, you know, left home, uh, you know, however your life looks at home, right? Having to get, you know, certain ones out of the door, keeping your schedules together, fighting off a cold, et cetera, and still being able to show up um, at work, um, being your best self, if you have to put on a mask, right? So yes. maybe, Stephanie, yes. for our listeners, mm -hmm. if you have to put on a mask, over top of all of those things that you just had to deal with at home to mm -hmm. even do this thing, right? This job, this role that you at some point had an affinity for, right? Now you're working twice as hard just to get those things done. Imagine how exhausting that is, right? And that's the only kind of example I can share with anyone who's thinking about how this can be, you know, for, for others outside of a certain demographic or how um, much pressure you can feel having to put this mask on and off every single day just to do the job, just to do mm -hmm. the role that you've, you know, signed up for, if you will. Um, but if we can embrace DEI from an organizational perspective, we have just eliminated layers upon layers of fatigue and stress. Um, and, and honestly, being in a space where we don't feel confident to even be in those roles, we've literally taken that from our employee population. And we have said, Stephanie, Mandy, I want the authentic you. I want mm -hmm. you to show up as yourself. I want mm -hmm. you to do the work that we've asked you to do. I want you to bring your perspectives, your knowledge, your viewpoint, your voice, and show us how we can get this thing done and get it done well. Mm -hmm. That 100% equates to a better workforce. It equates to retention, right? Mm -hmm. It equates to folks advocating to say, hey, the reason I'm still here at this organization or the reason I'm in this role is because I am my true authentic self. Um, I'm pushed, I'm stretched, I'm challenged every single day, but I'm not being asked to morph into someone that I'm not. Yeah. Um, and that's why, you know, thinking about those things and 
I mentioned this earlier for anything in business, you have to put numbers behind it. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so when you're thinking about the percentages and how this can increase your overall, you know, pipeline retention based, of course, is always the the main point of of conversation, but then also growing your internal talent, DEI 100% affects that um, because now you're talking about culture, right? Now you're talking about um, creating a space where people desire to come in every day or, or log in every day and have these um, these authentic conversations to, to move the needle and, and meet the business goals. Um, so, you know, those are just some, some of the highlights, if you will, as to, as to why DEI matters. You know, we think about inclusive leadership um, for anyone who is a people manager. It is your responsibility, right, um, to really understand the topic of DE&I um, and understand what it means, not only for your organization, but for your group, right? Mm-hmm. If you're mm-hmm. managing groups of people, if you are um, leading folks in different areas of your business, you need to understand where they're coming from, where they want to go, their career goals, what they've done in their past, et cetera. All of these things make up their story. Um, mm-hmm. And very intentionally, it, it makes up our overall DEI work. So, you know, as you can see, <laughs> I could go on and on um, about this topic, <laughs> but it, it really does. I think I'll, I can close by saying um, it, it, it's the focus on education um, describing the benefits of DEI, establishing you know the true inclusive mindset that we need, um, and having these types of conversations within an organization. Yep, and I I grabbed onto something when you started talking about the manager level because the mm. managers are really your frontline people sure. in this work, right? So um, just kind of maybe a tactical question here is, you know, how do you approach those managers that they may, you know, you may receive pushback from, or they're just, or they're just completely, they don't have the knowledge or information or training that they need to do that kind of tactical work at that level. Like what are some, you know, thoughts around that that you can sure. share with us? Yeah. So, so let's start at the, at the top. Right. Mm-hmm. So I, I would not dare, you know, be in, in this DEI role and this work um, without having the support and buy in of, of direct leadership. Um, so if your direct leadership cannot sit down and have a conversation with you um, to understand, number one, why DEI is important and to establish a DEI commitment on behalf of that executive leadership team, then you are fighting a different fight, right? Mm -hmm. Um, We always identify, you know, wherever, you know, my my current director notes this all the time, wherever the head goes, the body goes, right? Um, And so until you have your executive leadership team um, lockstep with the vision of their DEI efforts, um, you're going to have to really, really, really um, ensure that that partnership is strong. That's number one. Number Mm -hmm. two, is, you know, once again, putting numbers behind it. So what are your company goals, right? Does your executive leadership team look the way that you want it? And by by looking the way that you want, does it represent the entire workforce of that organization? If you can go all the way down 
quote unquote, right? And in, in the from a level perspective, and identify, you know, a hundred percent diversity um, at your, you know, general labor, you know, level, um, and even your individual contributor level. But then once you're getting into your director level and above, that's where the gap is. We need to figure out why that's the case and put numbers behind the goals, right? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how you identify and get buy-in. After you've established your numbers, now you identify your implementation strategic plan. So back to your point, I think, Manny, that was you to note, if it's training, if it's pushback, et cetera, well, let's lay the foundation first. And you cannot introduce DEI without education first. Um, Mm -hmm. Not everyone is familiar with this space. Um, Not everyone even understands the impact of this space. So let's set the foundation. Let's educate our folks. Let's make sure that they are aware. And then let's, we have to identify once again, what's the bottom line? What's in it for you, Mandy? Right? Yeah. Why should you should you lean into DEI? Why is this important for you? And no matter what you latch on to, if it's a number thing, if it's a cultural thing, if it's that you just want to enjoy coming to work, whatever your thing is, it has a DEI push. And then we can lean in there and give you the tools and resources to be successful. Um, mm-hmm. So that's when you can you know, have those. And then I would say then too, Mandy, is mm-hmm. being prepared to having difficult conversations. Mm. Um, That is one thing for me. I have embraced having Mm -hmm. difficult conversations because almost always when you embrace having that challenging conversation, um, not always, right? So I would never paint a pretty picture and say that it's always going to work out this way. But oftentimes when you lay the foundation of education, you have the dialogue and the discussion, you find out the heart of the person to understand where this is coming from, it can almost always yield a a more positive interaction, um, a door open for you to grow an inclusive leader. And and that's where for me, I I don't shy away from those conversations. Um, If it it makes me brussel up a little bit, I have to lean in even more because that means I need it for my growth. I need it to, you know, for for my own, um, you know, challenge it in my space, in my area of focus. But then also at the end of the day, not only does that person need my knowledge, those who report to that person need my knowledge as well, right? Mm -hmm. So I would never do them a disservice and not have the conversation because it was uncomfortable. Right. Right. And it's, and I mean, that's powerful stuff there. And I think you just really illustrated very well that this takes a lot of work. There's a lot of things happening to really, truly make this a part of a company and organization's culture. And it, and you can't just put up, you know, we talk about window dressing, like when Mm -hmm. companies say things and they just, well, we'll hire um, a chief diversity officer. Well, then that Mm -hmm. chief diversity officer is not giving any budget. They're not getting it. They're not given any like support or real role or real value. And because this is multi-layered, it takes a lot of time and resources. So yeah, I think I I love that that it just shows that this is really um, an intensive um, undertaking. Sure, absolutely, um, and one that you you have to be committed to, and that's why I'll, I'll yep. share one quick thought there too. You know, you often hear this term passion project, right? You have Mm. a passion for this area. Um, Mm. And I have to go a step further than that, right, Mandy? Like, uh, passion is is 
subjective, right? So depending upon who you're talking to, everyone can have a different passion and it can have a different level of, of depth, right? But mm-hmm. the moment that we we only identify passion for the DEI work is the moment that we've already done ourselves a disservice. We have to be committed to putting numbers behind it, having teams, like you said, in place to implement and to actually hold folks accountable to see this change happen. Um, If we only keep it surface, if we only say the things, like you said, the window dressing, the things that looks, looks, you know, look and sound pretty um, with no true action behind it, we will have the same conversation fast forward 10 years from now, right? Um, yeah. And that's really where the where the change is. The change goes from passion to implementation. Um, mm-hmm. The change goes from passion to commitment. The change goes from, you know, passion to metrics. And how do we ensure that what we have committed to our external stakeholders, our internal, you know, employees, et cetera, we now have to hold um, everyone accountable to ensure that what our commitment is carried out. This work um, is intentional. It has to be intentional to be done right. And this work takes time. Um, yes. You cannot unlearn things in a day. You have to literally um, get your foundation back um, and, and expose those. Once again, it's the education and the awareness part that has to happen first. And then that's when you can grow um, into your, you know, your allies, your advocates, what does that mean, et cetera, and how we continue to move the needle in, in the right direction. Mm. You know, so that, that really segues us into kind of our, our next thoughts around just the, you know, the women's movement generally, you know, mm-hmm. when we think about feminism and women's movement um, and the long game that, that this has been, you know, it is a bit challenging when we think back on the movement because historically it has been defined by and for white women. Um, and and that may not be something that everyone knows, um, until you really start digging in and, and we should all know this. So when we think about how we can do better today and, and moving forward and how we can commit to making a women's movement, one where we are all supporting the equity inclusion for all women. Um, I'm curious if you have idea thoughts on how all women can come together to really support the women, the, this movement. Sure. No, I I think this is great. And I might jump into a a few kind of thoughts and definitions that I kind of keep in my mind first, um, and then to give some additional insight there. So when I think about this full, you know, inclusive experience for all women, um, the terms that first come to mind um, with a, with a focus on women, and this is once again very intentional, um, is the allyship and the advocacy space, right? So oh, when say we say more about, about that, yeah. So when we think about the allyship space, right? This is where you're identifying, you know, someone with privilege, someone with power, who is seeking to learn, right, about the experiences of um, an underrepresented group. Um, you know, oftentimes it comes from an empathetic space um, and they're wanting to understand, well, how can I utilize my privilege to to help out in some way, right? That's kind of the education piece where you will start to see conversations from women who or, you know, are specific, right, folks with, with privilege to kind of say, hey, 
I'm seeing that there is, you know, some something happening here. I, I can't quite put the nail on the head as to what it is, but I, I want to, to understand more. So that's your open book. They're starting to open their book and, and get some, some general understanding, a foundation, if you will, of what this means. The point in which the true change happens is when you become an advocate. And so when you become an advocate, it's that same person, right, with that privilege and that power, but now they're willing to shake it up a bit, right? They are willing to put their name, their brand, their reputation, their partnerships on the line to help advocate um, for right? These underrepresented groups, um, this person that has been trying to get into leadership and has had every single, you know, negative experience a hundred, you know, across the board. And so when you make that, that transition from ally to advocate, you have just identified your personal why, right? Mm -hmm. Because when you're ally, you are researching, right? It's almost like you're, you're prepping for a, a project, a paper, you're wanting to get your data gathering, right? You're understanding what's happening here so that when you see it, at least you can point it out, but you haven't transitioned to advocate where you're saying, I see it, I can point it out. I'm doing something about it because I can, mm -hmm. right? Those are the changes. And so when we're thinking about women across the board, right? It's not just about having the lean in discussions. We say this all the time when you find yourself at the um, the boardroom table, lean into the discussion, et cetera. So being an ally will, number one, mean looking around and seeing, is there any other woman of color in the room? That's just your ad, right? That's just your education part. So now you're looking around in your room and you're saying, first of all, I'm probably the only woman in this room, and I definitely am not seeing any other women of color in this room. That's right. your foundational piece of it, right? And so then the advocacy part is, instead of just observing it, you then go to your leadership and say, hey, I'm great, and I'm happy to have a seat at the table. I'm so happy to be in my role, but there are other women of color who need to be sitting right beside me here who have thoughts and opinions and expert experiences and expertise that we need at this table to be successful. What are we doing about that, mm -hmm. right? What are mm -hmm. we committing to seeing that change happen? Because, you know, and I'll just use manufacturing, for example, if you're going to your facilities, your plants, et cetera, back to that point, you're probably seeing a very diverse workforce in the facilities. And then as you're going up in rank, as you're going up in, in hierarchy in the roles, that's where your gap is. So we have to utilize that space not only, you know, as women, right, across the board, but for the sake of this conversation, that's kind of the change in the edit that has to be made. Um, it's about understanding, hey, you know, in my current role, there's another woman of color who does the exact same thing that I do. We partner often on projects and assignments outside of the boardroom. Why hasn't she been invited to come along with me? Why do you only want to hear what I have to say, right? Instead of bringing my peer, my colleague, et cetera, mm -hmm. into this discussion. Um, and, and that's where I would say we can, you know, as women do a better job um, 
opening and creating an environment where we can feel comfortable having the conversation, but then being honest with yourself and saying, well, where am I in my own DEI journey? Am I still only comfortable right now to be an ally? Because that's still needed, right? We still need allies. But if you're not at the advocacy level, if you're not ready to put your name, your relationships, your brand on the line to see um, you know, change within other underrepresented groups, then you're, you're not quite there yet, right? And we still have opportunities for you to grow, but it, it takes courage. Um, it, it's uncomfortable. It can make you feel as if you are truly going against the grain and that you're often, it can feel like you're putting your own self at risk, right? Right. Um, yes. That's where yes. it gets, it, let's, yes. let's just uh, you, you were right? saying, yes. Yeah. It's a risk. It's huge. It's a risk. It and typi- and and that is a challenge for women in general, sure. right? And to have that the the courage piece. I mean, that's a, a whole nother. That's a whole nother conversation, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, but it's really important that whole sponsorship um, and advocacy piece. Um, yeah. I, I love to throw a little bit of research um, to these conversations, um, and so. Um, there are 24% um, in this particular lean-in uh, McKinsey um, research uh, states that 24% of Black women reported that they have the sponsorship needed to advance their career, compared to 30% of all women who say that they have the sponsorship needed to advance their career. So there's a lot of work to be had here, or a lot of work yeah. to be done, right? And it just points to the mm. aspect of of the even worse workplace experience that um, uh, historically underrepresented uh, groups have anyway, right? It's bad for women, but when you, when for um, the minorities, it's even worse. So there's, Mm -hmm. there's a lot, there's a lot of work to, that we can do here. Jessica, I'm curious if, if we can um, talk about, you know, obviously I'm a white woman. Sure. And um I'm curious if you have experienced when someone might be seemingly coming from a good certainly coming from a good place but has just maybe got this allyship or advocacy piece wrong. Like they've just done it wrong. Mm-hmm. They've just blundered. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? You know, like what what are some things that maybe we should say, "Hey, maybe don't do that." Sure. Here's a lemma. You might think that you're well-meaning here, but eek, that's that's a no. <laughs> that was it. That was great, Stephanie, with the eek. Um, good night. <laughs> um so let's can let's yeah, let's let's unpack that a little bit because um I want to also be very transparent as a black woman sharing the details of my career journey. Um, and there are some, you know additional variables, right, that I didn't dig into um, in the beginning of the intro there that still, you know, from a, you know, a systematic perspective are right on cue, right, with others who have gone through what I've been through personally as well. But I, I would, I cannot even think that every other Black woman, right, has had the experience that I've had um, going into corporate at, at such an early age and, and starting off my career very, um, you know, very early in this space, right? So I'm, I'm already very aware that that is not the norm across the board. But yes. when you're, so I've also had opportunities to be 
a younger professional with one-on-one interaction with executive leadership, right? It's just, it has always been a part of my role where I've interacted with women leaders who get it, specifically white women leaders who get it, and they understand, you know, um, allyship, advocacy, et cetera, and they do it right and well, right? But I've also, as you can imagine, had interactions with others who have not gotten it, Um, but have also, I'm going to be very honest with you, the term that I'm using is lack of accountability, but even personal blinders to not Mm -hmm. even see it right? Mm -hmm. That was a moment, right? These personal blinders I have seen, it's a different way that 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 person or or those with with that viewpoint, with those blinders, they have to be handled in a different way. Um, it would almost feel like you are literally fighting a losing battle if you do not take the appropriate approach with with someone with blinders on. And when I say that, Stephanie and Mandy, when you identify Jessica Jones, I am a black woman, right? Mm-hmm. That is that's mm-hmm. that's who I am. Um, there are some awesome things that come along with it, right? But mm-hmm. but surface wise, mm-hmm. that is who I am. The moment that you decide to strip me of being a black woman is the moment that you have completely disrespected who I am, my my identity, right? Mm-hmm. Because that is the makeup of Jessica. And that is a variable, a part of the puzzle that is Jessica that makes it so unique. And for those who I've seen just not get it or having those eek moments, they've intentionally or unintentionally not seen me for who I am, mm-hmm. right? They haven't seen me for who I am. They have made... um assumptions that just because we are both women, we have the same story. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll go a step further and to say just because we're both women who grew up in the same neighborhood, we have the mm-hmm. same story. And it just couldn't be further from the truth. So my only note for, for folks who either have experienced those eek moments, <laughs> for folks who have said, oh, goodness, I may have done, right? One of those eek moments. I could have been the, the leader in an eek moment, if you will. My only notation is once again, the education, the awareness, but the accountability of your uh-oh, right? Mm-hmm. And so to be in a situation where you say, you know, hey, from, from a partnership perspective, right? I'm not even putting the advocate or ally uh, title on it yet, mm-hmm. but from a partnership perspective and you being another woman, um, I just want to check in with you, right? Um, the meeting that we had the other day or the conversation that we had the other day, I, I wasn't sure if there could have been some space where I, I could have offended you in some way. Um, and I want to protect the partnership that we have and continue to grow and understand more about where where you are currently in your career and your life and where you're wanting to go, right? And that's where you're starting to have those discussions and those mm-hmm. one-on-one conversations. Um, you have to, of course, make sure that you have some type of partnership already with that person or those people um, that maybe you're wanting to grow your relationship with. It doesn't want to ever seem forced. You always want it to be um, authentic in nature, but it's truly that one-on-one discussion and conversation to not only showcase that, hey, I'm aware of who you are. I respect and admire who you are and want to truly be a partner to you in this space. That's what I would say 
is my thought when it comes to having those those moments where you're like, whew, that that was a tough one, right? Because mm-hmm. um, they, they happen and they're going to continue to happen, but it's really how we respond to them that that will make the difference. Well, and I, I think, you know, at the, at the heart of, of that is that there's safety in mm-hmm. working together, that there is, um, that, um, you have to feel safe and I have to feel safe to mm-hmm. try and to maybe make some mistakes and then to mm-hmm. own some mistakes and, um, have hard conversations because in the end, that's where the great reward is. That's where the true partnership is. And that's where the growth comes, but we certainly won't do it perfectly. Um, and, and so, you know, when I think about that safety, that, that really leads to what has become the end of the DEI. We are now adding the letter B on DEI and B because it's belonging, belonging being this key to, we found so much research has found that belonging is the key to, um, excellent team performance. It is the key to, um, corporate cultures. It's the key to psychological safety. And, um, when we think about all of that, then it's the key to inclusive leadership and, um, inclusive workplaces. Right. Sure. So, um, you know, I'm certainly, I'm someone who's passionate about cultures, uh, corporate cultures and belonging and all of that. But, um, Jessica, I'm curious from your standpoint and, and the work you do, um, as, a DEI uh, manager, what do you think of when you talk about bringing in belonging to your work? Mm, This is great. Um, So, so let's unpack this, this word of belonging, right? And when I identify belonging, I almost center it around a compass and when belonging is embedded into an organization, their DNA, um, affecting every process, every decision that is made, every procedure, every single way that we go about doing business, that is truly what belonging, you know, is to me when I think about my personal career, my professional career, and then even from an organizational perspective, the moment that we have laid the foundation. So DEI um, and B literally is a story, right? It's a partnership across the board. You literally cannot have one without the other. And each one affects the other. And so when you're looking at kind of, you know, the image of a cycle, right? And kind of this, this wheel that's continuous to, continuing to grow and go, you will see D-E-N-I-B that's literally right before and after one another. And for me, that's when you will know that this work is truly, truly working in the way that you need for it to. That's when you start to see your metrics. I love the courage that you have to show up like as yourself, as you want to, and being honest and transparent about it, because that's, you have to have it to really, to really affect real change. You, you really have to be honest and real and genuine and authentic. It goes past even this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, I think this is important to share with, with anyone who's, who's listening to this discussion. 
I had to fight so hard to embrace Jessica, where she was in her career, um, where she wanted to be, uh, her personality. I, as you all can hopefully see, um, I am passionate, right? Yes. I, I enjoy, yes. I enjoy life. I enjoy the things, and I always was so concerned that I would have to own her, my authentic self from being as joyful and, and happy and, and, you know, showcasing my passion to become a leader in, in, in any organization. And once I, I got a grasp of who Jessica was, once I embraced her, um, and it doesn't, sometimes it doesn't matter if everyone else around you embraces you, you have to embrace yourself. And the moment you do that, literally you're unstoppable um, yeah. because you have come to a different level and your own, uh, your self-awareness, um, your inclusion journey for yourself. Um, and then you can also start to point out those things that you um, maybe had challenges with um, and others and help them to, to grow into that space where they are embracing and accepting their authentic selves. That's something, that's the work I will never, ever, ever um, let go because I had so much to do for myself and the freedom <laughs> that comes mm -hmm. along with this. Um, waking up every morning to enjoy what I'm going to do, to enjoy what I'm going to wear, to enjoy how I mm -hmm. look. All of those things are part of who I am as a Black woman, as Jessica, and something that I would say has been the best fight I've ever fought, but even more so one that I will literally never, never, never lose. I will never lose this 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 girl. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I was going to reflect um, before you said that, and you just illustrated it once again, that one thing I'm taking away from this conversation is that at the heart of this work, this very important work that we will continue to do is that we all want to be seen, like truly seen for who we are. Yes. And we must see others for who they are their unique individual self. And we must give everyone an equal voice at the table. And, um, and I think, you know, as like you said, it's not one conversation, it is day in and day out. And so I just appreciate you bringing your unique self, Jessica, to this <laughs> today. Yes. And um, helping us have a conversation in this, on this platform about it. Awesome. No, thank you all for having me. So each month we give listeners one thing to try based on our conversation, because the best way to make learning and growth a reality is by taking small, quick, and consistent actions in that direction. So this episode, we want you to consider where you are on this DEI journey and wherever you're sitting, take one step forward if you're just curious or just waking up to the realities of this in your workplace, consider moving up one step to that allyship spot. And if you're sitting as an ally and realize that maybe you haven't been taking any action or you haven't been willing to put yourself on the line there, take one small step toward being an advocate. And so wherever you are, just consider where you are on that spectrum, look inside, consider your own self-leadership here and take one small step forward in this DEI journey. 
And so, Jessica, what we like to do every episode is we like to think of, you know, women, we all have our tote bag, right? It's our magical (laughs) tote bag of stuff that we have just in case or tools, just anything that you're going to need at a moment's notice. We're we're carrying around this this tote bag. So um, we want to know what what do you what do you got in your bag? Like, what do you have that's absolutely essential in your life? Oh, that's so good. And my bag is courage. And it's courage to do the things that I would encourage anyone else to do. But for some reason, I still hesitate on me. Right. And when I look in my bag, when I think about all the things that I, you know, the words of wisdom and advice and, you know, sharing your story and how others have impacted my life, I still, you know, 15 plus years later, kind of have that freeze moment when an area of promotion or opportunity for advancement, you know, in any way, right, kind of comes to me. Um, And I have, it's an internal, you know, kind of, I don't even want to say battle, but it's an internal commitment that I have made for myself, not just as Jessica, not just as a Black woman, but as, um, a potential historian, right? For future generations to look back Mm -hmm. and say, because she chose to have courage in herself, um, she dug deep, she did uncomfortable, and she implemented what she knew she could do, but still needed to kind of have her internal motivation to do so. So courage is always in my bag. Um, you need it on those days where you have to grow, you know, throw on glasses because you didn't put your lashes on, right? Um, you need it. <laughs> you courage need it. is that red lipstick that we throw on before Zoom call. It's all of it, right? It's just, it's all the things. So whatever courage means to you, however it mm-hmm. physically looks, um, whatever you have to dig deep and grab, um, do that. Have courage in your big bag because good night. We need it for ourselves. We have to be our own cheerleaders. We have to own our careers. We have yep. to believe in us. Goodness, we have to believe in us because gosh, women are just amazing. You said it best, Jessica. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Thanks for joining us today for our conversation with Jessica Jones. Be a part of the conversation and connect with us on Instagram at SoarLead. And here it is, that time of the podcast where we ask you to follow, rate, and review us. Seriously, this is how we grow and how we can keep these conversations going. Also share this podcast with your own work BFF. Help us elevate Jessica Jones's voice and the incredible work that she is doing. Thanks for tuning in. Join us next time for another Women Who Work conversation.